are so excited to have Pastor Matt with us today. Yes. Um, he is the past, our pastor mm-hmm. and pastor of Trinity Friends Church, the church we attend. And yeah, that's my intro. <laughs> Matt, do you want to say hello? <laughs> hello. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Welcome to um, our realm of podcasting where we are not professionals at all. And we don't, we just kind of go off the cuff for every opening and well, we laugh at every opening. We do. We do. Um, but before we get started, we probably should shout out to Tubes and Co because we keep forgetting the past couple, um, we've forgot the past couple episodes. So if you want chemical free, organic makeup, tallow bombs, uh, face wash, face wash, face wash, face wash. <laughs> uh, deodorants, um, go to tubesandco.com. Everything's found in the show notes and use the code Midwest girls 10 and you will get a discount. Uh, Emily is, does this all from her kitchen. She is a small business in Alabama. Mm, I think so. And <laughs> she's about to have a baby. She's about to have another baby. She's a homeschool mom, you know, all the, all the things. So, um, it's and her stuff. cow blueberry is the one who provides with the awesome tallow. It's really cool. It I really cool. like it. I love it. And it lasts a long time. So the price is worth it. Indeed. So, yeah. But yeah. That was a lame intro I gave. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're practicing. You're yeah. getting it. You're getting it. Yeah. Kylie, so, Kylie threw me. I like to do that. She does. Then. She does do that. All right. So we want to open the floor. Basically, Pastor Matt. Yeah. Um, we just, we kind of let you just roll and then we will bounce back and forth as we go. Um, but yeah, that's generally how we do it. So okay. there's no questions or anything and we'll ask you questions that come to our mind as you're doing this. Yep. Okay. It's as organic as it gets. Okay. That sounds great. <laughs> I'm going to have to scoot up because I want to like just sit back and listen to you and I got to remember this <laughs> microphone. There we go. I know. I keep adjusting. Sounds great. Well, okay. thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. Um, yeah. When uh, Kylie had asked me to come on and um, just generally gave me some parameters of sharing my testimony as I was praying about it, I really thought um, it would be interesting maybe to share uh, a calling story uh, into ministry. And uh, so I I guess my hope and prayer is that there may be some listeners out there that are struggling with the question about whether or not they're called into ministry or whether they're called to something else. And my story is pretty, uh, I guess, pretty complicated. I've found that when you ask people their calling stories, uh, no one is alike, mm-hmm. and they all have different aspects to them. So um, I guess if I was to put kind of a theme on mine, uh, it really revolves around uh, two words that I, I wouldn't normally put together. Um, and the words are reluctance and community. Mm. And it's really a story, I think, of how God uh, used community to overcome my reluctance to mm. be in ministry. Wow. Um, so that's kind of where I'm going to go. It's, uh, you know, I'll, I'll kind of just take you through some different stages. It's going to cover, uh, 30 some odd years of my life. Yeah. Um, so we're just going to go there if that works for you guys. Absolutely. Sounds and w- great. when he texts that this is where he was going, he was like, I'm praying that someone needs to hear this. And I'm like, hello, <laughs> I need to hear this. <laughs> and yeah. if you, if you heard the last two podcasts, you would be like, yes, this is exactly what she's been talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's not just, um, like Pastor Matt said, it's not, it's 
we all have calls and I'm at a point in my life where I'm like, well, Lord, what is next? I can't, I can't explain it, but in my prayer time, in my, uh, what the Holy Spirit is speaking to my heart, I do feel this release, but I'm like, but to what Lord? Because I do not want to go ahead of God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm, and I've gotten good at being patient. I'm not perfect at it, but I'm, I, it's like I said to you that once I'm like, I'm comfortable, I'm good, but let's, sure. let's see, you know, <laughs> let's just see where the Lord takes us. Cause it's an adventure. Yes, <laughs> it's yes. hard to put it in a tidy box, isn't it? Yes. It's Amen. hard. Amen. Yeah. Our calling stories are as unique as our own individual beings. And yeah. so, and I praise God for that. That's awesome. Yay. <clears throat> good. All right. Well, um, to kind of get it started, I was just sharing with the ladies, um, as I was, putting together some thoughts on how to present this and how to kind of walk through this, I realized that I actually um, did a talk, and the, the talk was at a men's conference. It was with a, a, an organization called Trace Diaz. Um, Trace Diaz is actually something I would highly recommend everybody tries. It's, uh, it means three days, and it's a three-day of spiritual immersion. Um, and there's men's weekends and there's women's weekends. It's a big international ministry. And Amy and I, my wife Amy and I, had both been there. And anyways, uh, part of the deal is, is when you go on one of those weekends, then they ask you to start to be in the leadership of it. And so I was asked to speak shortly after I had gone on one of these weekends. Mm-hmm. Well, it, 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 amazingly, um, in God's providence, uh, I was asked to speak on the topic of leadership. Mm-hmm. And uh, you'll hear in my story that I've always been a reluctant leader. And so it was interesting. But anyways... What I want to share, maybe just, I'm going to kind of share some different parts of that talk uh, because it will explain the different pieces. And so this first part is really just giving a background of who I am mm-hmm. and kind of where and how I met Jesus. Um, so I'm just going to read it uh, because it was, I read it and I was like, I can't say it any better than it was written then. Yeah, so I'm go. just going to read it if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah, that works. <clears throat> so again, the way this worked was this was a group of men that I was addressing, and we were we have a series of talks we do throughout the three days. And I don't know, I was maybe fourth or fifth in line, and it's a buildup. And so they're trying to uh, teach men how to be leaders and how to be spiritual leaders. Mm-hmm. And so I got this um, talk called Leaders, really. And so uh, here's, how, here's how I kind of started this. <clears throat> so said, As I reflect on my own journey into leadership, I have to start in an unusual place. When I was nine years old, I was involved in a conversation that changed my life forever. I was asked to sit on the couch and listen to my father tell me that he and my mother were getting divorced. To this day, I can hear those words so vividly. Little did I know what this meant to me in my nine-year-old world. The divorce started off normal and my dad did his duty and he played his part. Then as I entered junior high school, he started to show his real character, and one thing led to the next, and before I knew it, I was fatherless. Statistically speaking, a majority of you, this is of course addressing the men, in this room can relate to my story, and you know that living through a difficult divorce is a terrifying and embittering thing. My dad was the deadbeat dad that you hear about. It all started so innocently, my mom would say, dad's not coming this weekend, but he'll be here next. That turned into, you might be able to see your dad once a month, and that finally turned into, it's probably best that you don't see your father anymore. Mm. So what does this have to do with leadership? Well, these circumstances forced me into leadership in my family. I really didn't want the role I was given, 
but I had no choice. By the time I was 11 or 12 years old, I had to start carrying a heavy load. I was the oldest of three kids, and my single mom needed me. It still gets me every time. I didn't have much time to grieve the loss of my dad. I was too busy cooking meals while my mom got her education. I was too busy working so I could buy school clothes before school started. I had to help my younger sister and brother deal with the question of why daddy wasn't coming around anymore. It was truly the hardest time of my life. But through all the pain and stress of those times, an amazing thing happened. I had another day that was burning in my memory forever. It was the opening day of trout season. I love fishing, and I'll probably try to make as many fishing analogies as I can. <laughs> April 1st, 1990, I didn't catch many fish, but my dark world brightened as I met the light of the world for the first time. His name is Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, I had a real father figure. Psalm 68.5 says that God is a father to the fatherless. I didn't know it then, but Jesus was coming to my rescue. As I reflect on this time in my life, I realize that by saying yes to a life of following Jesus, I was answering the call to leadership. I didn't know it, but I was already leading my broken family through a rough process. Now I had help, and oh, how he helped me. Through this time, the Lord used my brokenness to lead my brother and sister to Christ, along with my two best friends in high school. I submit to you that at 15 years old, I had no idea that I was entering into Christian leadership. All I knew at that time was that I was in love with Jesus, and I finally had a father figure in my life again. So that was just kind of like trying to set the stage for these guys so they understood where I was coming from on the perspective of leadership. Um, you know, that I was a, uh, a, a person who had a lot of pressure and a lot of responsibilities put on me uh, without my choice. And I was actually, um, my family, my, my, my mom would admit it, my grandma would admit it, they're worry warts and they're anxious people. And so I already had that in me to be an anxious person and a worrier mm -hmm. and then add on all this stress. It's kind of who I was. Um, so one of the things that I did in high school to overcome that is some people turn to wild behavior and those types of things. I turned to actually overperformance mm -hmm. and sort of um, really burying myself in sports and academics and kind of trying to hold this good boy sort of image together, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, but I was really not wanting to be a leader, but I had no choice. I was a reluctant mm -hmm. leader. So I think that's really where the reason I'm bringing that forward is as you hear the rest of the story, you'll see these themes of me resisting, mm -hmm. resisting leadership, being reluctant to leadership. That just seems to continue to be a theme throughout my entire story. Yeah. Um, but that's really where where I met Jesus and how that started there. And of course, at 15, I had no idea that I would ever be a pastor. Mm -hmm. I mean, this was just just getting to know Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, that's it. Mm -hmm. um, but so my family's response was mixed. Um, you know, my family, I was actually quite on fire for the Lord. Um, I've shared some stories from the pulpit that that first year after we got saved, uh, you know, the three friends, the two guys that are led to Christ, the three of us just, we had no guidance. We just started doing Bible studies and like we were doing some crazy stuff, just sharing with everybody and 
this really kind of freaked my family out. <laughs> I was going to say, how, you're at fifth, you're 15. Yeah. You bet your mom was like, I'm so glad he's doing Bible studies and yeah. <laughs> other things, you know, like, well, yay. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But I think also, I mean, I think they were concerned um, that I was getting into something they didn't understand. Oh, okay. You know, so um, looking back on it, you know, I, it was kind of uh, the term back then was, people were becoming Jesus freaks. Uh-huh. You know, this was actually before DC Talk came out with that song, actually, even before that. But it was kind of, this would have been in the 90s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. And um, my family were, were not, at that time, evangelical, born-again Christians. Mm. So the born-again, the Jesus freak, all of that stuff was, I think, scaring my family. It was new to them. To be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, I think they struggled with it. They didn't know what to do with it. Um, so that was kind of a, an adjustment, because I'm trying to learn that I, I want to share my faith. And, you know, of course, I wanted everybody to have what I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, but my grandmother uh, and grandfather, they were religious and faithful. Um, and they went to, I think, a Methodist church. And it's kind of the church that I grew up in. Um, and what happened was that church was very traditional and uh, very gray I'll just sort of say that for my 15-year-old life. And I didn't meet Jesus there, and I had gone. So this uncle of mine who was fishing with me, his name was Kevin, um, he came from more of a little more, I wouldn't use the word charismatic, but the Calvary Chapel was the name of the church. Mm -hmm. And he came from that background. And to me, in my simple black and white world, these two things couldn't coexist. And so, so I just kind of gravitated away from traditional church. Um, and I was trying to kind of work out this whole thing. But my, my grandparents, though, they kept encouraging me and kept saying, you know, that they thought that I might have a call on my life. Mm-hmm. Now, with those two... Um, extremes, 15-year-old black and white thinking, uh, I just had this great experience, and this is traditional Methodist church. My my mentality was, you don't know who Jesus is, and I do. And yeah. so when I got these these comments from them, I actually, that's just where I remember my first real resistance, because I felt like I was just the token born-again Christian in the family, and that their understanding of that was that because he's so excited about this, maybe he should be a pastor. Yeah. And so, and I, I just rejected that. Like, I, I remember being kind of like, no, that's not for me. Yeah. You know, uh, and I didn't know what it was either mm-hmm. at the time. But, but, I, but reflecting on this, I realized that those are probably the first words I was hearing that I might have a call in my life to go into ministry mm. through my grandparents, um, even though I rejected it. And so remember I told you there's kind of like this reluctance and community theme. I was reluctant to hear anything like that yeah. about being a pastor, but my community was saying something different. And that theme just keeps working through this entire story. So these are kind of the early memories. Um, and my grandma and I talk about this all the time now. It's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty awesome yeah. that my grandma and my grandpa, who really was not very religious at the time at all, um, they, the, he, he recognized it too. So it was pretty cool. And later on in life, he actually became, uh, quite a follower of Christ. Awesome. So 
so that's kind of the beginnings of like my family side of things and how how this sort of started. Uh, uh, then we kind of fast forward. If I'm just going to keep going, you can let me know if you want me to keep going. Oh, yeah, keep going. Uh, so then we, you know, I start heading into college, and um, so I was that kid in high school and college who had no idea what I wanted to do. I went to college because I got good grades. <laughs> And I was supposed to go to college. Sounds familiar. I, uh, and then when I got to college, I decided to, to, to take business because my grandfather owned a machine shop. And I was in his machine shop all the time. And maybe there was potential I might work there or whatever. And I did good in my business classes in high school. Um, I was actually an accounting major because I took one accounting class in high school. And it was like my best class. <laughs> I got to my second accounting class in college and said, no way, I can't do this. You know? Accounting classes in college are horrible. Yes. Oh, I, I took three or four, and I'm like, this is not fun. Yes. <laughs> I did not take any. Yes, you were probably the wisest of the three. <laughs> yes. Well, I was thrown in music theory. I will challenge you guys there. <laughs> well, that's what you did if you didn't know what you were doing or you couldn't decide. You went into business because everything is a business right. uh, to an extent. So that's what I did. So, yeah, yeah. I was the same person in high school I was like I mean I was college bound and um, that was not a problem but it was weird because in my school this is in upstate New York if you were in business most of those kids weren't college bound but I was college bound yeah. Th that was kind of the name of the programs that we had and I mean I was a president of FBLA and <gasps> me so too. I was really into that yeah did you go to like state and I was a state I was a yeah, state can candidate or a vice president oh very good what yeah. is FBLA? Future Business Leaders of America. Oh. I was our president of our chapter, and then I was the vice president for the state of what? Ohio. I didn't know that. <laughs> now, you definitely got further than I did. <laughs> I went to some state competitions, but yeah. I didn't didn't take any. I don't know. This was a thing, I guys. I went all the way to nationals. I got my um, America Award. Nice. It's actually a really good organization. I really, yeah, it is. really learned a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, um, what you know, I, I, that's kind of just telling you how I got to college. Then in college... Um, lots of stuff happened. You know, I, I got a four-year degree, business degree, but then I'm getting ready to graduate college, and um, I've met Amy, my wife, and um, we're getting kind of serious. I have no idea what I want to do still. Mm -hmm. So uh, I decided that uh, the Air Force sounded like a good idea. Oh. You know, maybe this was a way to stall for a few more years. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of... Yeah. And then Amy had a very, very good conversation with me, and uh, we, we laugh about it now because... Uh, we were in this spot where, I mean, I'm months away from graduating, and I'm thinking of joining the Air Force. And she just said, Matt, she said, I'm going to grad school. you got to do what's best for you, and I'm going to do what's best for me. But I want you to know, this is way before we were talking about marriage, yeah. I will never be a military wife. Nice. <laughs> I remember thinking to myself, what, wow. are we talking about marriage? Maybe this, I need to. This sounds serious. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> so, but... That was actually good. I mean, I needed that clarity because I knew I was serious about Amy mm -hmm. and I wasn't so serious about the Air Force. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. So life kind of uh, moved on. And the, the really interesting thing about this when it comes to calling, as I reflect on my story about ministry, um, I don't know why I had this thought. I had a thought probably developing in my senior year that I might be a pastor in my 40s. Mm. that's so specific that is. right and that's funny and so my reaction was 
that I actually, as a senior in college, I signed up for a New Testament Greek class at 7.30 in the morning <laughs> for my entire, some, my entire year, my senior year, because I thought there was a potential that someday I might need it because I might be a pastor in my 40s. That's Whoa. so funny. Which is really funny. That's probably the first real Because how old sense. are you? Not to put on the uh, spot. I would have been 21. Well, how old are you now? 48. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why I wanted to say. Now, I did, I did get into the pastoral ministry in my 30s. Yeah. Uh, but, but still, still but it's just funny. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's really funny. And, <laughs> and I remember... We, Amy and I laugh about it because she used to try to help me study for this class, and I'd be thinking, why did I take this class? <laughs> and to be truthful, once I got into ministry, I didn't use a thing from that <laughs> class. I did not ever use any Greek from that class at all. I have a Greek New Testament that sits on my bookshelf, and that's the only evidence that I went to that class. <laughs> that you took it. <laughs> Period. That's hilarious. Yeah. So that was kind of a, an interesting thing. And then what ended up happening was um, uh, Amy went on to grad school, and so her grad school was Lehigh University down near Philadelphia, Allentown, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And so we decided we were serious enough that I was going to, I had a business degree, so I was going to get a job down there. And so um, she lived in Allentown. I lived in Bethlehem. And uh, for about a year and a half or so, um, we were down there while she was going to grad school. And then I finally got around to proposing. <laughs> and uh, so that, that kind of set that trajectory there. Mm -hmm. So once we got married, got, our, got started, we moved uh, back up to the area we went to college. And it's there that I was just, I'm not going to say floundering, but I was fumbling around with my careers, trying to figure out still, what do I want to do? Mm -hmm. um, and still having these kind of musings and, you know, these little questions about all this. But in the meantime, you know, I'm raising a family, building a career, um, dealing with those things, dealing with some of the frustrations of being really busy, mm -hmm. Uh, and not being able to plug into church the way I wanted to. Mm -hmm. You know, I was active in men's ministries. I was active in different things at this church we were involved in, but always felt the tension that I couldn't commit to the level I wanted to commit, if mm -hmm. you will. Um, so as we kind of, as my career developed, um, you know, I was just kind of, I guess, in the back of my mind in the early days of my career, um, sort of fig trying to figure out where all this fit together. Mm -hmm. I, I still wasn't really feeling a strong call to be in pastoral ministry or any ministry. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to know how I could serve my church better and also handle a traveling career and three, raising three kids and all those things that go along with that. Mm -hmm. um, so I remember that just sort of feeling a little bit um, uneasy. I think I had some angst with all those things as well. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So... Um, we figured out that... Uh, yeah. I don't know what that is. I know. <laughs> something, something's going on. No idea. Never heard that. Anywho. So we kind of fast forwarding then into um, maybe my late 20s, early 30s. And uh, I'm really rising in this company. I'm, I was in the forest products industry. The company I was with uh, was a custom log home manufacturer. And I'm just having a lot of success, but I'm traveling a ton. Mm -hmm. um, and we're you know, having kids. And uh, we actually learned very quickly that um, one of Amy's love languages, the primary one, is time. Mm. 
that's so, mine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it doesn't work with a trampoline. <laughs> so for us, what would happen is we'd have a one week, I'd have a one week trip and I wouldn't think that was really all that bad, but that one week trip was actually a three week process mm-hmm. because Amy was disconnecting and struggling for a week before the trip. Then the trip itself, and it seemed like everything went bad during the trip every yeah. time we, I was out gone. And then the, we'd have a week of recovery. And when you took eight or 10 of those one week trips and you add them, turn them into three week yeah. trips. It's like you're gone for Over a lot longer than you are. So we were struggling with that. And that, that kind of produced, uh, these things, um, that I kind of talked about called walk and talks. Um, I just, this, this lock home company was out in the beautiful parts of Pennsylvania and it was just way out in the country, very pretty. And so I would just start walking at lunch and just, talking with the Lord mm-hmm. about these frustrations and how do I, how do I, you know, manage a career? Uh, our goal was for Amy to stay home with the kids. Mm-hmm. So I needed that kind of income. Um, and she was blessed to do that. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of this conversation of, you know, the cost of raising kids yeah. is that cost our relationship and is that cost, you know, we were just wrestling, you know, mm-hmm. just wrestling. Yeah. And so there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, just discussions for a few years. I would go fishing on my lunch breaks. I would uh, just walk and talk. I probably look like a schizophrenic man walking hey, down the road in the I country. Do. If I was in the lane, I'm I'm on a lane back to a woods. So it's just right. my husband who hears me a mile away, and I'm like burying my soul to the Lord. So yeah. I'm like, yeah. hey, I do that too. <laughs> the older then, I get, the the more I'm less embarrassed about that. Yeah, the less I'm embarrassed about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, what'd you hear? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's funny. That's good. (laughs) So uh, in that strife, there was a time, uh, I remember one Lent. Uh, I'm not really a person who practices liturgical um, high church kind of things. Mm -hmm. Lent's not really a normal part of my background and practice. Uh, My wife grew up Presbyterian, and so it was a little more uh, in her background. Um, But I don't remember why, but I was drawn to this idea to spend 40 days with the Lord focusing in on one passage, just focusing in on Second Chronicles 7, 14. Hmm. You know, if my people will stop and pray and seek my face and humble themselves, that I would bless them and bless their land. Mm-hmm. And I just, for 40 days, I just took a section of that, the confession, the seeking of his face, the, hum- the humbling. Uh, and, and I had nobody guiding me to do this. This was just... I'm not in ministry. I'm not thinking about these kinds of things. I don't know where this came from, but mm-hmm. it was a really great process. And it was in that process that, like, I remember journaling, like, day 36 or something and saying, okay, I don't think I'm going to get the answers I'm looking for, Lord, <laughs> uh, but I'm going to finish this till day 40. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, day 38 <laughs> or 39 that there was a breakthrough that was kind of powerful. And I just I got this sense that, the vision that I was getting was that I was supposed to run a Christian camp. Mm. I just had this sense that uh, my love for kids, all the ministry stuff I was doing at the time was children's ministry when I was volunteering. My love for kids, my love for the outdoors, and my business background, I just had this sense that you need to be in camp ministry. Mm-hmm. So it was like that was the first like clear call yeah. Yeah. that I felt. And it was a result of a lot of prayer and scripture. And I, I really felt good about that, but had no idea what to do with that <laughs> yeah. at that point. Um, so that was that was really, I guess, I'm trying to place that on my timeline. Let's see, I think I 
I was 34 when I finally got into ministry, so I was probably 30. Mm-hmm. I was probably 30, somewhere around there, mm-hmm. and um, probably like six years into my career with the forest products industry. And so then I'm trying to think, what in the world am I going to do next? Um, <clears throat> you know, and as this is happening, this company, we're growing like crazy. This this company was growing like crazy, and by no, honestly, by no, like, feet of my own, no intention of my own. I'm just rising through this company. Mm-hmm. And they're actually, they started to, uh, they even created a new position around uh, another guy and I that did the same thing around our talents mm-hmm. and brought us up and gave us these raises. And But it demanded more. Yeah. You know, it always comes with a price and it demanded more. And and so I'm, I'm, I remember just kind of like thinking of this, this moment in Lent, these walks and talks, and also at the same time experiencing success and fruit in the business world and having a lot of trouble with this. Mm -hmm. Like, how do I put all this stuff together? You know, where is this going, God? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, I've expressed it from the pulpit before, um, you know, that I think one of the signs for me was of struggle was that I kept saying, like, I don't really care about this product I'm selling. Uh, and I have no intrinsic value in this. Why is this company continuing to pour into me? Mm-hmm. Um, and they were. I mean, they were sending us to Dale Carnegie trainings and all these top-notch, high-level business trainings mm-hmm. and all this this stuff. And I just I remember just thinking to myself, this is to sell rich people custom <laughs> homes. I don't care about this. I don't I, relate. Oh I'm just laughing because so much of our story is very, very similar. But mine just happened at a younger age not to slam you that you're older than me yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm just laughing over here i'm like i remember these I yeah remember. this is very yeah. similar sounds familiar <laughs> <laughs> yeah. how about it how about it that's good complete side note jesse is totally on this show barnwood builders have you heard of this pastor matt no it's all about like custom log homes and them actually taking down old log homes. Oh, so okay, yeah, Jesse's yeah. going to hear this, be like, I want to see what kind of houses you built. Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> he yeah. like watches it every night. It's like, yeah. Meg, we should have built a cabin. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. And don't get me wrong. I, I geek out on some of that stuff too. Yeah. I, yeah. I like the timber frames. Uh, actually, my stepfather is a timber framer, which is like a step above log homes. Oh wow. yeah. And it's super cool to watch those guys. And they've got, I love those uh, shows about tree houses. Yes. Now. Oh, yes. The backyard tree houses. Those are amazing. Yeah, those amazing. are awesome. Amazing. <laughs> They're yeah. not tree houses. They're like no homes. mansions in the <laughs> yeah. in a tree. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. No, I'm just laughing because um, from I felt the call. Like I remember saying to my parents at the, for the first time, like I feel like I should be a youth pastor. Like mm-hmm. I was starting to feel that call. I just got home from I, you know not just got home, but I had been at church camp that summer. Um, the director was saying similar things to me, like you know, would this be something you're interested in? Blah, 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 blah. I tell my parents and God love them and everybody know, in this room knows their hearts. But then they're like, no, you don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have had the same reaction from my family. Yeah. Like, <gasps> maybe don't do that. Yeah. And, I, and I'm very interested because there are people, I'm just like absorbing your story and like thinking of my background and because there have been people that have been saying things to me, like you need to do this, you need to do that. And truth be told, I've struggled with that looking back now, like, did I listen to them? Did I listen to the Lord? And so it's yeah. very like Makes discerning that leader. I am a reluctant leader. Yeah. Well, I'm not a lead. No. Yes, you are. <laughs> There it is. <laughs> so <laughs> yep, yep. I don't know. I don't know. So it's, I really am. I'm enjoying this. I'm just, yeah. I'm learning. 
It was good. But my first camp, or my first camp, my first uh, ministry step was then that same director hired me right out of high school to be a counselor at camp. Yep. So yep. camp ministry and, you know, just all these things. It's just it's just funny to me. Not, you know, I say that a lot, but you know what I mean. Ironic funny, not ha-ha funny. Um, but how people, st- Megan and I talked about this last week, about how our stories are similar but completely different. And right. I just like, right. I like seeing how God works in each and every yeah. person's yeah, life. Yeah, you can see themes. Yes. yes. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, even like the community piece, I haven't hit on it enough. Um, remember that this is, I'm still a, a man who believes that he's a anxious, fatherless young boy mm-hmm. at this time. So yeah. So when people are seeing leadership things and they're promoting me and they're training me and they're doing all these mm-hmm. things, I still don't see it. That's you know, such I a still good point don't see it. Yeah. And it just keeps, and that keeps, that, that theme keeps going throughout my life. Yeah. Uh, but I agree with you, what you're saying, Megan, about um, like the messages of people encouraging. Uh, sometimes they are confusing because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, again, am I, do I like my ego? being stroked and do I like, Mm -hmm. do I like this positive feedback versus is this actually what God's calling me to do? Mm -hmm. And and so, and as, as my story unfolds, you'll see some of those pieces come together a little bit more too, um, for sure. Yeah. I think that's a really good point to say too, because there's probably people struggling with very similar mindsets and they're probably finding themselves that there is a community around them trying to build them up, but they're almost not allowing themselves to be built up. Right. Not that there's a, you know, there's a balance there. Like don't let your head get too big, but you know, we're also called to build one another up in the kingdom yeah. Yeah. and encourage one another. So, well, mine was, you know, music ministry and music ministry, you know, music, when you go up on a, on a, you know, on a stage, I don't know what else to call it guys, but you know, and people can see that you can do this. That's where I've struggled. It's like, well, you know, I can do it. What else did you see that right. you wanted to, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like that's easily recognizable. Mm-hmm. It's one of those gifts that, you know, not even a spiritual gift as we've right. been teaching. It's, Oh, well, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I can do that. It's a natural <laughs> gift. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting. It's, it's interesting to just, to think and to pray and to ponder, like okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. I want to see how it unfolds for you. <laughs> yeah, and I think it, it also has to do with um, recognizing who the wise voices are mm-hmm. versus the voices that are just saying nice things. Yes, you know, and that that takes some time and discernment. It does to yes. understand who mm-hmm. those people are in your life. And, yeah. Yes. You know, um, sometimes people are just being nice. Yeah. Right. You know, it's kind of s- like at the end of church. You know, when people say nice sermon. Mm-hmm that means two very different things sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's just, okay, the pastor's there and I need to shake his hand and say nice sermon. Right. Other times it's like, God used you in my life right. for this, you know. Right, and, uh, yeah. Discerning between those two things is sometimes, it takes some, it takes some why, why yeah. some wisdom. Yeah. For yeah. sure. But the, um, kind of back to this, this time in at Coons Brothers, um, one of the reasons, if I really look back at it, one of the reasons... I never pursued ministry early. One of the major reasons is because I was deathly afraid of public speaking. Mm. I was that, again, I was that worrier. I was that anxious kid. I did not like the limelight. I did not like any of those things. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I always thought I would either, when I would dream about jobs I would want to do, I would think about teaching, and I had some thoughts about ministry in my 40s, I guess, right? (laughs) Um, When I'm 40. Yeah. When I'm old. (laughs) 
So I have this moment I love to share. I shared it from the pulpit, but it's sort of a fun moment um, because I think it, for me, it was a real clear breakthrough. Um, you know, I was uh, building this career and part of this career was public speaking. That's why they were sending me to these classes and all this. And, you know, before I knew it, I was speaking in front of 400, 500 people at these shows and it was consistent doing all this. Mm-hmm. But leading up to that, like in the very beginning, I was lots and lots and lots of sleepless nights, horrible nights. And I remember, this is so ironic that I'm now in Ohio. Um, I was in Columbus, Ohio at a show the next morning. I needed to speak and I could not sleep. Mm-hmm. I was struggling so bad. I finally got up and I just, it was a misty day, night. It was probably two in the morning. And I literally just started walking around the hotel. I started my walk and talk with the Lord and we're mm-hmm. just walking and talking. And there was this, after probably about an hour, there was some sort of an unusual peace that mm-hmm. just came up, came over me. Mm-hmm. And if I look back at my speaking career, something changed in that moment. And that is totally supernatural. Mm-hmm. That is nothing to do with me. Yeah. I was the business major who found a way to avoid every public speaking class. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I graduated. I don't know how you did it either. I had to take three. I, yeah, I don't know how <laughs> I did it. I, I look back at that and I wonder what did they do because I, I I mean I certainly had to do my group projects right, and those yeah. things within a class but never took a speaking class and that's what I was deathly afraid of and that was my barrier to pastoring or teaching yeah was I knew that that was a big thing so yeah. it was a really cool moment um, I can't say in that moment that I automatically was thinking oh great now I can be a pastor I wasn't there at all mm-hmm. but looking back on it I realized that God really did intervene. Mm-hmm. And say, you know, I'm I'm going to do this for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and my speaking career changed completely wow. um, from that point forward. Even in the business career, which was really cool. Well, my, with that, when I first got called into music ministry, I that's what I would even tell people. I'm like, I can I can play. I'm most comfortable behind a keyboard. I said I can put together a worship set and you know say things in between. But please please don't make me give a sermon. <laughs> please, I would never want to give a sermon, Lord. <laughs> no. And I'm still kind of there. Kylie's like, you should. I'm like, no. <laughs> nope. Not my comfort zone. Wow. Well, you just admitted that in front of your pastor. I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you, uh, Publicly. If you go down, <laughs> you're the, in trouble. Yeah, she's going to do it. Cause I already know some, I mean, if you go down <laughs> this ministry certificate program, I have a feeling you're not just going to be behind a What video did I camera. tell you that was my biggest, like, I don't want to do, I don't yeah. want to talk. Well, you don't have to do it in front of people. I can't, I know I could, guys. It's just this, oh, it's uncomfortable. I'm the same <laughs> as you. And this is what people, if you really know me, I think people see me and like, oh, she's spunky. She can sing. I am an introvert. Mm-hmm. It is not my comfort zone at all. And I'm so, I relate to you. Like, I don't like being in this, the, the limelight, the center. And it makes me very like, Oh, I don't know. It's just interesting. Just, yeah. I'm just, I'm just putting a whole bunch of things together. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun to watch your process. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try not to process too much on air listeners. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I, so that, um, that kind of brings me up to, um, really sort of the significant change that happened. Uh, so I'm going to read, this is another part of this leaders Royo, or they call it a Royo. It's a talk leaders talk. Um, So this is just sort of what uh, God used to speed up the process. Mm -hmm. We'll put it that way. Uh, So again, uh, this is just, I'm taking pieces out of a talk, so hopefully it'll still be coherent because this is not in context. But in context, in the talk, I was, after my testimony in the beginning, 
I was then laying out leadership qualities. What mm-hmm. does a Christian man leader or Christian male leader look like and those kinds of things. Then I get to this part of my talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I said, uh, so this was actually really close. When I did this, it was really close to when this event happened about a year or so before. Uh, I just said, a few years ago, I started a journey into professional ministry. I was working in the business world and climbing the corporate ladder. I was financially in a decent place and my career was blossoming. The only problem was that I had this nagging sense, I believe a Holy Spirit nagging sense, that the training and experiences I was receiving was not necessarily just to sell more of the product I was representing. So I started an exploration and it took me a good couple of years to get to a point where I was ready to step out and see what this ministry would be like, might be like. The interesting thing is that I was moving at a comfortable place with all of this, my pace, and then God sort of pushed me in. You see, I had to get laid off from my job before I would take the risk. It's similar to my journey as a kid. I didn't fully comprehend my leadership ability until I was forced to lead. So in May of 2008, I was laid off and jobless with three young kids and a wife to care for. My career revolved around the housing industry, and unfortunately, that's also why I was laid off. Those of you that were around in 2008, you remember the housing bubble? Yeah. Inevitably, it was time for a change, and it was time for me to put this nagging feeling to the test. A few months into my job search, I found myself starting an entirely new career as an area director for a national youth ministry called Young Life. Mm. These were exciting days. I finally made it. I was now in full-time ministry. I had arrived. (laughs) Well, along with that decision came other decisions. I was asked to move to the community I was ministering in, so through many talks with my wife and lots of prayer, I moved my family 12 miles down the road to a new community and a new school. I really had no idea how hard this was going to be on my family. I figured my kids were still young and they'd get over it in a few weeks. Well, a few weeks turned into a full school year of challenges and a wife who was struggling Uh, with all of this uncertainty. As time went on, I found myself working 70 plus hours a week and really not in a better spot than I was in the business world. So I made the painful decision to resign from Young Life, and in many ways I was considering resigning from the idea of working in ministry. Mm -hmm. I was actually really questioning whether I got the call right. Mm -hmm. Um, After all, I gave it a shot and it didn't work out. In fact, a lot of people got hurt in the process. My family, the teens I was working with, committee members, I found myself wondering if I was careless about my decisions. I asked myself why things didn't turn out, even though I risked it all for the Lord. The story does have a silver lining. Through this process, I ended up getting an internship with my church and also attending my first Trace Diaz event. In fact, it was because of my struggles with my calling that I contacted a Young Life acquaintance about Trace Diaz. My weekend taught me that I needed to stop second-guessing God's plan for my life, and I clung to the saying, participate, don't anticipate. Mm. Uh, you know, when I was preparing for this, I forgot about that. <laughs> wow. And that is such a great, such a great quote, participate, don't anticipate. That is such a We're going to hear it this Sunday. It is, especially for somebody that's a worrier and anxious and thinking yeah. ahead all the time. Yeah. You know, be in this moment, be in this moment, right? Yes. Yeah. That's something the Lord's been teaching me. That's very good. And then just to finish this off, shortly after Trace Diaz, I was hired by my home church to work in an internship as a family life pastor. This opportunity was designed to help me explore professional ministry while serving my church, family, and community. The internship has blessed me tremendously as I've worked on refining my call to the Lord. After taking the initiative and risking it all, 
I would not have believed for a minute that I would be standing before you, this is the audience of men, testifying about my experiences. I honestly felt like a failure and I didn't think I had anything of value to offer. So that was really kind of the launch into professional ministry, um, jumping into Young Life. I was 34 years old and I was hanging out with 15-year-old teenagers. <laughs> um, it was just such a shift from the business world. Yeah. I mean, I was mm-hmm. you know, used to high-level executive business world, and the first thing I did was go to uh, this place called Ricketts Glen and went jumping off of waterfalls with <laughs> six 15-year-old girls. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that was my introduction <laughs> to ministry. <laughs> I remember pulling out of the driveway in my car, and I'm like, I have six teenage girls in my car. <laughs> there has to be something wrong with this. Oh, God. We are going to have a blast, but I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. It was re- literally jumping into yeah. youth ministry. Um, yeah. Youth ministry is a wild ride. Yeah. Yes. yes. And Young Life is, they, they thrive on being wild. Yes. And yeah. Wild, wilder than your typical youth group. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so... But the, so that, so that you could see a lot of mixture there. You know, I had this, um, this push, I think from God, um, because I would have probably milked this a little bit longer. Uh, you know, <laughs> after all, I wasn't going to get there until my forties, yeah. you know, in my mind. You had time. Um, you had six yeah, years. I had time. <laughs> um, but you know, as he did that, that, that experience at 18 months with young life was really difficult. It was really, uh, uh, very confusing time. But there was also a piece about it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, kind of back to community, you know, going through that. I was going through that time with our lead pastor at our church, who turns out to be my mentor now. Um, and he was the one that was sort of saying, don't give up on this. I, I see something in you. Would you consider taking on an internship at our church? Mm-hmm. And again, at the time, I still had a chip on my shoulder about things. Yeah. I, I, the reason I wanted to go to Young Life was not for the youth ministry. It was for their camps. Yeah. They have amazing camps, yeah. unbelievable camps. If you're listening here and you have a teenager, you need to check out Young Life camps. Yeah. They are unbelievable. And so my hope was I'll serve a few years as an area director, get it off the ground in my area, but I really want to get to camp. Yeah. Right. So I was still strategically thinking that this is my path. I'm going to camp. Um, so it was very um, disheartening and disillusioning when we realized after 18 months that I was as fast as I was called in, I was called out. Mm. And I see it now that way. Mm-hmm. Then I don't know that I saw it, that I was called out. I saw it more like, whoa, man, I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Something's yeah. wrong here. And a lot of people got hurt. You know? Yeah. Um, so that was a difficult, difficult time. Um, but as God does, uh, he did some pretty cool things. Um, so I get to Hughesville French Church is the name of it. So another French church in Pennsylvania. I had been there through this whole time, like, again, building relationship with people there and the pastor there. My community, my church community was there for the call into Young Life. And as I was wrestling with, you know, am I called into ministry? They were all there. Um, but what was really interesting is I took on the internship uh, for a couple of years, and we were kind of at a moment where I started to realize that I didn't think that the internship was going to turn into anything. And so I was bivocational. I was working at a, a company that makes library furniture called Brodart, and I was working there and working in ministry, and I was like, "This isn't is this going anywhere? Mm-hmm. And so I sat down and had a conversation with my uh, lead pastor, his name's Dan, 
And just at that moment, he was like, again, this is the second time I was about ready to bail on ministry. He's like, wait a minute, hold on. He's like, give me a week or two. And he comes back to me and he says, listen, I couldn't tell you this before, but our youth pastor is leaving. And he said, now I can tell you, and he said, I want to redesign our ministry, and I would like you to consider coming on full-time mm-hmm. as a family life pastor. Wow. And so what was really interesting about that is the way God redeems things is powerful because so I accepted that and started professional ministry in a church. Mm-hmm. Still in the back of my mind, keep this in your, your thinking, that I'm not really a pastor, I'm going to a camp. Yeah. But this was in front of me, and they said, we need to hire a youth pastor. You have youth experience. Would you mind doing this for a couple months? And I was like, sure, (laughs) reluctantly. And that couple months turned into two years. (laughs) So I did family ministry, bivocational, and youth all at the same time. But what was so cool about that is that God just redeemed all those bad experiences in young life. Mm -hmm. My two years of church youth ministry was so amazing. Like Mm -hmm. he just kept kind of redeeming that and just reaffirming that Mm -hmm. he was in all of this. Yeah. Just so powerful. It was really, really cool to see. Um, But so as I kind of think through those times, I'm really thinking through all the different community pieces. Um, The Trace Diaz group that we were meeting with um, when I was going through all of that transition and I'm meeting with these men for that weekend these guys who didn't even know me were telling me that they thought I had a gift right. and so they were speaking into that Dan was speaking into that a couple times and other people at the church um, and so all of that ended up leading to this full time family life pastor position this mm-hmm. associate pastor position yeah. um, so that was kind of the beginning. So we're kind of up to about 2010 to 2012. That's sort of in that range. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the beginning of really the church ministry. Um, but again, reluctance and community. Um, this nagging sense about camp was still there. Mm-hmm. And so I had kind of a powerful moment that it always hits me. Um, I took uh, the time to really get to know a camp in our area. And I strategically placed myself in a position to get a job there. And I was talking with Dan about this the whole time. And he had such wisdom. And he was just like, Matt, you have an itch that you can't scratch. You need to pursue that job mm-hmm. and see if this is what God wants for you. Like he was, even though he didn't want me to give up being a family pastor he knew that I had you this. out of your system. Yeah, he knew I had this, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I went and I interviewed for a position there, and I thought, wow, this is great. It went really, really well. Um, I was excited about it. Uh, it would have required some changes again to the family. They wanted the person to live on the campsite, and mm-hmm. there was some other stuff that we had to deal with. And long story short, um, camp director calls me after about a week, <clears throat> and this is the part that gets me choked up. And he... He says to me, Matt, he says, when you left that interview, he said, you were our guy. Mm. He's like, hands down. He's like, we needed you here. He said, but we decided to pray for a week. He said, I don't know what this means, 
but I want you to know that we believe that you are where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how those words hit me. Mm-hmm. It was so powerful. It was such a mix of emotions because it was like, uh, <laughs> I didn't get it. And then it was like, wow, these godly men mm-hmm. prayed over this yeah. and God was speaking to them that I was supposed to be a pastor in this church. Mm-hmm. It was powerful. Yeah. Yeah. The director and I are best friends now. Like we, we actually ended up developing this amazing relationship and a really great guy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a whole other story for another time. But I've told him several times how much that God used that comment. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's powerful. Because it was from that point that I finally started listening. Yeah. And finally said, I'm all in. Okay, God, you've got my attention. You want me to be a pastor. Yeah. You know, I've been fighting this since I was 15. Yeah. You know, my grandma said you should be a pastor. And I'm now 36 or 38. And I'm like, okay, thank you. Like, I needed that comment. Clarity. Mm-hmm. That, that was so clear to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a really special moment. That's pretty cool. That is cool. (coughs) I really wish I could remember this book they had us read in our leadership class for the uh, ministry program because it goes through, like it talks about reluctant leaders and then it goes through all the other ones, like the other Mm -hmm. styles or I guess you would say, and it's really driving me crazy, but I want to revisit it because I can't remember what I said I was. So you keep saying like, you know, you're about you being a reluctant leader. I'm like, I I can't remember what I even said for that but it makes me want to reread that book mm. i can't even think of the name of the book it, it'll come it's in the stack <laughs> it's in the stack in my office laying on the floor yeah because i'm getting new shelves so i'll find it eventually mm. it'll come to you about three in the morning yes, yes. that's it <laughs> i'm pretty sure it was it was bruceville and i remember the and dave mercadante were my teachers i remember the teach or the professors can't remember the books mm. Don't yeah. hold that against me if you listen. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's amazing. Oh, that's so cool. So so now we're kind of at the spot where I've accepted this idea that I'm going to be a pastor. Um, and the community picture of this is beautiful because um, really I had a couple of situations. Um, maybe I'll back up here. In the transition, I'm going to back up in the timeline if you don't mind. Yeah, in the fine. transition between um, Young Life and Hughesville Friends Church, uh, one of my contacts that I was working with had asked me if I would consider being an associate pastor for them. And I had gone through the process with them, and the long story short of it is that uh, they wanted me to, to join there, but then the higher-ups in the denomination said, well, wait, he doesn't have a seminary degree, so no. Mm-hmm. What's so cool, the reason I bring that up is what I think is so cool about what Friends does, Evangelical Friends, is this church, my church, wanted me to be their pastor, their associate pastor. And instead of saying, no, you don't have a seminary degree, they came up with a solution. And they partnered with me and with the denomination. And the three of us basically paid for my seminary degree. Mm -hmm. So I went back to school jumped in, got a seminary degree. Um, so that was a big part of that. And really, I ended up happily and joyfully being a family pastor for 10 and a half years uh, there at Hughesville. Um, that was 
that was where I was at. And so there was a lot of fruit that came from that. Um, I kept getting confirmation in various ways from various pieces of community, um, you know, the different places. I, I would just hear things from people back to the kind of like the wisdom that you're listening to. There were certain people that were speaking into my life that I thought, okay, I need to listen to that. I really need to listen to that. Um, so, but I still had, I, I, I would say the leadership reluctance was now decreasing, but I was also very clear and comfortable with the idea that I was not going to be a lead pastor, mm-hmm. that I was going to stay as an associate pastor. Um, some of that, I think, came from uh, the risk that uh, my mentor, Dan, took. He, he and I had a great, great partnership. Um, we were very different than your typical lead and associate pastor relationship. Mm-hmm. We almost would almost call it co-pastoring without officially co-pastoring. Mm-hmm. Um, that was good, but it was also, I think, clouding my vision of what it meant to be a lead pastor mm-hmm. because, you know, I got to hear and see the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. And I was scared of the ugly. Yeah. You know, I didn't really want some of the high-level yeah. challenges that you face as a lead pastor. So that was part of it. And I think God and I were wrestling with that question for quite a while. Um, in fact, in fact, Dan used the expression again later on. I kept looking at other things. I looked at maybe being a military chaplain. I looked at, um, you know, other types of nonprofit or parachurch kind of ministries. I was looking at those things and still all the while I was wrestling with is God calling me to be a lead pastor? Could I do that? Um, and so, you know, I was really kind of struggling with that. At the same time, our denomination, like everybody else's, is retiring mm-hmm. a lot more than they're bringing in. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sitting in this church, and I've got this nagging thought that I'm fully qualified according to my denominations. I've been recorded and ordained. I've gone through seminary, and I've getting feedback that I could, I mean, I had a lot of people telling me I, you definitely could be a lead pastor. So I'm having those thoughts and I'm thinking, boy, I'm sitting here as an associate pastor. And meanwhile, I'm looking at all these job openings left and right, left and right. And, and I, I felt a burden for that. Mm-hmm. I felt, you know, I, you know, maybe, th- maybe I need to do something about that, but I never did. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of, that was just sort of stirring a little bit in the background. Um, so that leads us up to Van Wert. Van Hello. Wert, Ohio. <laughs> There's, welcome to the northernmost city of Texas. Yes, yes. That was the first thing I said to you. Yes, I know. <laughs> and I loved it because it was so true. I was like, that makes complete sense. That's exactly where we are. city of Texas. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Because yes. I don't remember what you said, and I said, well, hello, welcome to the m- northernmost city of Texas. Yeah, we were probably talking about guns oh, you were talking or politics about or something. Yeah. And then you were like, I think it was the American flags. Yes. Or yes. something, how yeah. it was lined up everywhere. I feel like that was a part of yeah. it. Yeah. And then I said, yeah. well, the we Midwestern patriotism. Yeah, you yeah. say y'all a lot, too. I'm like, did you say y'all? <laughs> <laughs> I have fallen into saying y'all. <laughs> like, yeah. y'all. Yeah. I have a natural southern accent. You do. <laughs> At times. It's That's funny. Sometimes stronger. <laughs> That's funny. So, um, you want me to go into the story about Trinity at this point? Yeah. Or? Okay. Yes, I do. So, again, this is ten and a half years uh, into my <laughs> associate pastor role as a family pastor. I love what I'm doing. Um, I have no no intentions of leaving, leaving uh, other than these just little musings in the back, like, again, that tension of 
you know, watching churches struggle to find lead pastors and wondering if I should do something. Mm-hmm. And then I get a phone call from a guy named Dr. Tom, uh, which you ladies are very familiar with. Yeah. So it's a Friday afternoon, just a typical Friday afternoon. I'm getting ready to leave, and this guy calls me. And if you don't know Dr. Tom, <laughs> this uh, makes, that's why I'm laughing. he has a great personality. Yeah. He's wonderful, wonderful guy. And I was like, I was immediately struck by his personality. Mm-hmm. And he's talking to me about how he was on YouTube and he saw me preach or something like that. And he was wondering if I would consider being a lead pastor (laughs) out here or consider coming and candidating. And the crazy part of that story is how he found me. Yes. Um, He is not an evangelical friend. So he's not in our, he was an interim pastor here. He's not in our realm. So he doesn't know people, you know, um, and he was tasked with helping to find a new pastor here. And uh, the story he told me is that he had resumes on his desk. He wasn't real excited about them. So he decided to uh, start doing some of his own investigating. And he remembered that his dad <laughs> preached a tent revival, I believe, yeah. in a little town in Pennsylvania called Hughesville. Yep. And he used to live actually out there for a little while. I think his dad pastored there too, actually, uh, in some way. And so to give you know your listeners some reference here, this is 450 miles from Van Wert, <laughs> and Hughesville has 2,500 residents. This mm-hmm. is like literally throwing an arrow at a map. <laughs> and he's like, I wonder if there's a friend's church in Hughesville. Well, the ironic part of that is we are, Hughesville is the only <laughs> evangelical friend's church in the entire state. <laughs> the entire English speaking. <laughs> I got to clarify that we do have some Hispanic. Yeah. Evangelical French churches Still. in Philadelphia, and that's and that's how he got to me. <laughs> and so this I didn't is know such, that detail. This is yeah. such a Doc Tom story on top of all of this. That's why it's just so funny. Oh like yeah. only God won. Yeah, so. absolutely. <laughs> so because I tell you all those details because uh, so you understand my response. So I said to him, I am flattered. I can't believe you're asking me this question. I said, but I need you to understand that I'm called to be an associate pastor. (laughs) And he goes, that's interesting because Dan told me that. And so did EFCR Ed Walsh from the denomination told me that you would say that. He said, but they both gave me permission to still speak to you. And you said it too. Well, after I accepted the job later, he reminded me that he got three no's (laughs) before I got to him. So it was pretty funny. (laughs) But I told him that I said, you know, I listen, I'm, I'm, I really believe strongly that I'm called to be an associate pastor. Um, I said, but, and really it was the story of how he found me that I thought, I can't just blow this off. I said, I will pray. I will spend some time in prayer. Um, And so I did that. I spent time, uh, quite a few weeks praying and seeking God's face. And and so I had this moment. um, I've shared this story with Trinity when I came and candidated. Um, There's a big river real close to where we're from called the Susquehanna river. Beautiful. And I just walked out to the spot literally after that phone call. I just, I didn't even call Amy yet. I was (laughs) like, I just got to get out in the woods. Mm -hmm. And so I get out there and I'm just standing by this river and, and you know, the passage of uh, Jesus walking on the water kind of comes to my heart and, and I pull it up in my, in my Bible and I'm looking at it closely and I, and I noticed something I never noticed before. Uh, Peter says, Lord, if it is you, mm-hmm. call me out on this water. Mm-hmm. And so I just started praying that prayer. I started praying, Lord, if this is from you, call me out on that water. 
call me out on that water. And that was my theme. That was how I kind of just traveled down this. So the way I negotiated with God, I don't think he was part of the negotiation. <laughs> I think I just told him my terms. Um, is I just said to him, you know, um, essentially that I would take one step at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, what, what was very clear, uh, I do remember very clearly him saying to me, he said, Matt, you didn't open this door, mm-hmm. um, so don't close it. Mm. Like, it was just, it was obviously miraculous mm-hmm. in the sense that the way I was found. Mm-hmm. That was very significant to me that made me realize I've got to pay attention to this. This is not man's work. This is God is doing something, you mm-hmm. know. But I wasn't ready to be like, oh, yeah, all that stuff about being an associate pastor. I'm just going to be a lead pastor. I'm yeah. fine with it. I was totally like, I will work this process one step at a time. I'm digging my heels in a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but I was also very pleased as the process went to watch the doors just continue to open wider and wider. Mm-hmm. Um, every step of the process, and it was a pretty thorough process that I went through to get here, Every step of that, it just seemed like the doors just kept opening Mm -hmm. uh, wider and wider. And it was so hard for Amy and I to say no. We were just like, how can we do that when Mm -hmm. he keeps opening these doors and making these things more and more clear? Um, You know, she was getting confirmation that she's never gotten before, um, which was really interesting. Um, So it was really, really quite a process. And it Mm -hmm. was really, for us, it was really a walking on water moment. Mm -hmm. Like, this is not... Again, reluctant leadership. I mean, I, you know, I never had, other than those thoughts, you know, about maybe I'll be a pastor someday in my 40s, but that was, were just weird thoughts to me. That wasn't, like, real. Yeah. Um, so this was, like, he just walked me on the water. It was really powerful, powerful time. And then, really, um, I've been here for almost two years now, and what's been interesting to watch and to sense is... Um, of all the things that I've done, business career, ministry, this has fit more like a glove than anything. Um, and so now I'm wrestling with questions like, was I just behind the eight ball? Should I have done this earlier in my life? You know, And I don't want to go there too much because you mm-hmm. don't want to let yourself spin on that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. But this is really just um, fit like a glove. And I've, I've you know, really not regretted walking down this road Mm -hmm. it's been fun to kind of just see god working all this out um so that's been it's been a blast from that perspective perspective and i still feel like community is continuing to affirm Mm -hmm. you know i still again i'm seasoned enough to know when comments are being made that are just polite Mm -hmm. versus comments that are being made that are being directed by god yeah. And I'm continuing in no, again, no, no glory to me, all glory to God. I'm mm-hmm. continuing to hear that kind of feedback. That's the wise feedback that's saying, you know, this is, this is something that God wants you to continue to do. Yeah. Um, so that's been exciting. So it's just been this long story of, of reluctance and um, community kind of together. God using community to, to get me through my reluctance. Yeah. Um, if you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's awesome. I always think of like the compliments thing or, you know, when you're trying to discern the wise um, voices and things like that. But I always, it always takes me back anytime I hear it is, I think I've said this on here before, but Corey Tim Boone 
how people would always compliment her and say all these amazing things to her and how she would just quietly say thank you. And she would just mentally collect it as a rose. And at the end of each day, she would give her bouquet of roses to the Lord and say, you know, these are yours. So, and mm. I, I just always, and I always take that a little a step. picture. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I um, kind of always just take it a little, you know, further because I, I love that visual is, and then thank you for allowing me to be the one to collect it, to yes. give to you. And so, yeah, I love it. I love it so much to what you said, everything yeah. you said. Mm. So good. I remember when you and Amy came for that, what, like a panel talk, yeah. is that what we call yes. it? And we were just starting to come back. And I I remember just kind of looking at Jesse like, I like them. <laughs> <laughs> and Kylie knows what you know. I was, and Matt doesn't, I don't know all that you know, but it was like this, even though we had stepped away, sorry, I'm getting emotional. Even before I was done, here, I looked at Kylie and I said, how did you go back? Because it's not what I actually wanted. Mm-hmm. And so and it's just a beautiful story, I guess is all I'm mm-hmm. trying to say is mm-hmm. I yeah. know that, yeah, Doc Tom, I know that the Lord called you guys here. I'm very grateful. You're our pastor. Mm-hmm. Very grateful. I'll tell you another, you just made me think of another just crazy God thing that I never put together until recently. Um, so two years, I didn't skipped over this, but two years before I got called here, God called me on a sabbatical mm. and I spent three months over a summer on a sabbatical. And it was really weird because I wasn't burnt out. A lot of pastors take sabbaticals when they're burning out, mm-hmm. but I kept saying to my leadership, God's calling me on this. I don't know why, but he's calling me on this. I need a reset. I don't, I'm not burnt out. Mm-hmm. I'm not upset with the church. We started putting together the timeline and Angie Murphy was sharing with me that the group was praying for a pastor exactly that time that I was being pulled away into the sabbatical. That's crazy. Which is so amazing because we, God and I were wrestling in the sabbatical about this topic as well. And I didn't come to a conclusion that I was going to just all of a sudden go out and become a lead pastor. Yeah. But two years ago, that was so powerful to me that they were praying for me and Amy, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, and we had no idea. Um, that's so neat when you see those things connected that God's doing. Yes, mm-hmm. praise God. Yeah. yeah. Powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And what Meg's referring to is how did you go back is after when things were happening, when I was on staff first time, it was quiet. I was able to quietly step away, which is good and bad. There, You know, we don't need to rehash things, obviously. But... Um, but that was also an example of what we touched on last week and even mentioned earlier that, um, I came back and I remember look after Megan asked me and we, j- this was the first time I had ever been at her house. This is the first time we really ever talked and I go, I came back for you <laughs> and I don't know why <laughs> I didn't say that part, but in my head, I'm like, I know she's going to think I'm crazy. (laughs) But the thing is, I didn't think you were crazy. But I think that's how heartbroken I was, you guys, for what happened here. Mm -hmm. I can't. I mean, so. Yeah, yeah. those, I mean, like you talked about with your, um, you know, stepping out of young life and stuff. It's, 
when you're in a ministry, obviously you're dealing with a bunch of people, which comes with personalities, which comes with, you know, different styles of, you know, things. Um, and so even if you, I feel like leave peacefully, there's always somebody who's going to get hurt. You know, somebody's always going to be potentially offended by you leaving. Um, there's a ripple effect to ministry. Yes. Positive and and negative. Yes. And you don't necessarily get that in like the typical world business. And I think that's where, um, sometimes if you haven't been through it, it's hard to understand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Someone at one point said to me, why do you keep, why do you keep talking about it? And I was like, I had to examine that. Like, and not that I talked about it a lot, but you know, there would be conversations. I would say this, I would say that, and be like, because it was hard. Mm-hmm. And I t- yeah. it took me that long to process. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, I have no other comment on that, actually. Yeah, so. yeah I remember <laughs> some advice I was given as I was transitioning um, to come here. Uh, again, Dan, was, Dan has been by far the, the best and most amazing ministry mentor I've ever had in my life and partner in life. And I remember him telling me like to be prepared for the unexpected when you leave, he said, there will be people who will really be in your camp and be excited for you and they'll get the bigger picture and they'll be on your side and your ally. And he said, there will also be a lot of people that will surprise you and they'll be hurt by what you're doing Mm -hmm. or, and he said, and often you can't predict you know, who's who. Mm-hmm. And I remember kind of going through that a little bit and thinking, wow, yeah, he was so right. Like yeah. there were people that <laughs> I was surprised that they immediately distanced themselves from me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there were other people that I wasn't that close to that mm-hmm. were like, I obviously had an impact in their life more than I knew. And they yeah. were really supportive. And, and I'd, I remember just really thinking about that ripple effect of ministry. That's yeah. just, and it's because we are working in relationships in real life and souls mm-hmm. and those things have mm-hmm. you know tangible uh, outlets and when when big change happens mm-hmm. you know yeah. um, it's a difficult yeah. it's never never easy yeah for no. sure no but yeah. I, uh, I I have uh, just a little bit more yeah. to read. I'm yeah. just gonna. This is like the finish of my talk. Yeah. Um, that kind of just summarized for these guys, and it sort of summarizes a little bit of this too, if that's okay. Oh yeah, yeah. please. No, yeah, you're good. Jump into that yeah. real quick. Um, I just kind of summarized this talk again. I was trying to build up these guys in leadership and recognizing that God's call to leadership may not be what you want it to be, mm-hmm. um, but He's calling us to lead. Yeah. You know. I just wrote, my life circumstances molded me and shaped me. God used me, even though I was far from ready to be used. I could be bitter and angry about my dad. In fact, I know many men who carry a huge father wound with them. Instead, for me, God has become my father. God is a father to the fatherless. This, in turn, has made me a leader in my family, and I take my role as a dad to my three kids very seriously. I have led my family accordingly. By God's grace and his grace alone, I've been able to channel my hurt and pain into positive Christian leadership in my family. After all, if you're not a leader in your own family, you're not a leader at all. It all starts at home. Mm -hmm. The Young Life situation could have completely derailed my ministry journey, but because of God's intervention through many vehicles, one of them being Trace Diaz, I am on a path to professional ministry and I'm at peace with that. If God can use a nervous, anxious, beat-up guy like me, he can use you. Every one of you is a leader, and more importantly, the Lord is waiting for you to trust him and serve him in leadership. He has people within your influence who need to be led. 
He wants you to do it. He doesn't need you to lead. He wants to partner with him, wants you to partner with him and lead. Let me leave you with this question. What is your excuse for not leading? What are you waiting for? If you're waiting for the perfect moment or situation, let me save you some time and tell you that it will not come. If you're waiting for more biblical education, believe me, you will never have enough. If you're waiting for all your questions to be answered, you might as well give up because that surely will never happen. Christians are called to be leaders for Jesus Christ, and he is our ideal. All we have to do is follow him and watch him work through our life. In many cases, once you take the first step, he starts to run with you. And before you know it, you've attempt affected lives for eternity. That, my friends, is worth the risk. Remember, participate, don't anticipate. Hmm. Well, that's kind of how I ended it. That's great. I love what you said this past Sunday, and it made me, when you were reading that, I thought of it, um, the primary calling and the secondary calling, because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people put the secondary calling into the primary calling place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But we are all, you know, I mean, at one point we were all on, you know, paid ministry, but that's not what it looks like you know, for everybody anymore. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. Your calling doesn't mean you're going to get paid to do it <laughs> or your primary calling doesn't yeah. mean you're going to get paid to do it. Um, your primary call is just to serve the Lord in any capacity that he has and yeah. to honor him, um, how you do it. Um, it, you know, you just follow his voice. It doesn't mean you're going to get paid. It doesn't mean you're going to be seen by other people. You might not get any recognition by the world really. Um, but yeah, I think people sometimes lose themselves in the thought process because they're trying to say, you know, well, I'm not called into ministry. Right. Well, there's a difference there's a difference like professional ministry. I think you called it that, um, between, you know, ministry, professional ministry, there is a difference. So you might not be called to professional ministry. Yeah. A lot of people (laughs) don't realize that professional paid ministry is really a modern construct. Yeah. That, yeah. The history of that goes back maybe 150 years, you know, but the rest of time it's been really about bivocational, trivocational, uh, very few people got called, I mean, got paid for ministry, yeah. period. And right. all the ministry, and you think about the history of the world, all the ministry that was done before we started paying people to do ministry. Paul made right? dents. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Jesus yeah. was a carpenter yeah. <laughs> himself. Yeah. yeah. You know. I'm happy you brought that up, Kylie, because I was uh, going to shamelessly plug that sermon series a little bit. <laughs> um, only because it's, it's, I'm finding it interesting, again, God's timing. Mm-hmm. Um I wasn't planning on preaching this series. Yeah. I was actually, you guys know, I was planning on going right from Easter into Ezra and Nehemiah. Yeah. And it was really a practical decision. Um, We were, I don't like to start a new book of the Bible and not be able to get momentum. Mm -hmm. And we only had three weeks before there would be another two week gap. So I started praying about, okay, what can I do? to sort of fill that gap. Mm -hmm. And I remembered the series that I had preached actually several years ago. Mm -hmm. And I don't even, this is the first time I've ever re-preached a series actually. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm enjoying that, but it's so funny to me that not only did that happen, but then you and the three of us have rescheduled this discussion a few times and it all landed at the same time. Yeah. You know, so God's doing something again, trying to help people think through purpose Mm -hmm. and call and, Mm -hmm. 
what is God calling and what is our vocation and all that. Yeah. And I know that you don't do it for this, but like just seeing that this is a way in this time and age that you can see uh, it's hitting people. I've never seen so like on Facebook our sermon, like a sermon shared so many times mm-hmm. as I've seen these series by people who've never, I don't, well, I don't know from my recollection have ever shared a, um, at one one of the YouTube videos from the mm-hmm. church page or mm-hmm. something, or um, has put like paragraphs above. That's why I texted you on Sunday um, and said, "Hey, like I'm seeing a lot of gr- and hearing a lot of yeah. great feedback yeah. from Good. this." So I think it's just the culture that we're in today, the time and mm-hmm. the place and you know history we are, yeah. and um, I think there's a lot of confusion in that mm-hmm. um, because there's a lot of confusion with identity in general and a lot of people wrap this up in that and it kind of just you know gets mushed together a lot and i think millennial our our generation and the generations younger than us yeah are so desperately wanting to know that their life has purpose yes Mm -hmm. we like like we are gen i've heard it said that millennials could be the next boomer generation Mm -hmm. in terms of like we are looking for work that is not just a nine to five. Yes. They want purpose. Mm -hmm. And they're, this series is Mm -hmm. saying, you know what? There is purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And these are the, the first off you were made by God for God to God. And now let's put that into whatever else he has, you know, called you to. It's so inspiring. Just a, it's very good. I've had same as Kylie is saying, so many people come up to me and say, this is timely. This is timely. I'm like, oh, good. <laughs> it's me yeah. too. Yeah. Well, I'm happy you said something because as, as you know, I am I do not pay much attention to social media. So what yeah. you just told me, I, I didn't even realize. Oh, I knew you would. That's why I texted you. I didn't you. realize that. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I texted you. Yeah. Nice. Well, because I wasn't looking for it. It right. was just me on there and I'm like, oh, they shared it. They shared it too. Oops, I just hit that. Everybody's sharing this one. Like That's I knew funny. like of six to seven people that shared it and I never, I usually wouldn't see it yeah. like that. Right. Yeah. It could have just been the time of day I got on, but no, I don't think so. No, no. Uh, wow. That's so, praise God. It's obviously striking a nerve of some sort that, yeah. mm-hmm. that God is, God is orchestrating all of that. Cause yeah. again, I wasn't even going to go there. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't going to spend the time yeah. on that. So, I was excited. I was excited when you did it. Cause this is one of my favorite things to talk about mm-hmm. ever <laughs> and yeah i'm very yeah. passionate about it um but yeah yeah so well good well my hope was to share this this part of the story is i know there's a lot of matt mcgovern's out there that are wrestling with all of these things and i hope that this was encouraging again my caution to anybody exploring calling is do not look for the exact same patterns that happened in my life. Um, calling. I love to ask people how they got called into ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, do that. Ask your pastors, ask your elders, ask people who are being paid and people who aren't being paid, who have ministries, ask them how they've been called because it's so fun to watch how God has done it differently mm-hmm. for different people. There are some patterns here, I think that are pretty prevalent. Yeah. Um, that people wrestle with, especially those that wrestle with call. Mm-hmm. Um, but the person that was called right out of their teens and goes right into ministry has a completely different story than mm-hmm. the what I call the second wind people like me, where we come in after another career. Mm-hmm. Um, but the hope is that this is encouraging for people who are wrestling with paid professional calling. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I would kind of not to, I don't want to re-preach a sermon, but to just sort of 
help people with the terminology. Yeah. Um, be specific with what you're saying about calling because mm-hmm. there's yeah. a lot of uh, confusion around what it means to be quote-unquote called. Yeah. Um, there are so many people in this church that are doing 10 times the work I'm doing, and I'm just the one that gets to, to be able to be helping to guide and mm-hmm. equip and do those things. Um, but people are making an impact in the community if they're you know, using their gifts for Christ mm-hmm. in their workplaces, yeah. and they are just as uh, blessed. And there's no hierarchy to this. This that's not this. You know, there's no. I hate this whole pastor worship kind of thing mm-hmm. that happens in America. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I don't want to get going too much <laughs> here because I'll end up preaching another <laughs> sermon. But but yeah. Yeah. So hopefully it was encouraging for those that are struggling and uh, uh-huh. and I, and I'm an open book. Uh, Kylie and Megan will tell you if if you want to call and talk to me, I'm totally open yeah. to that type of thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, we thank you so much for coming yes, on. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It Wonderful. was great. <laughs> yes. Um, I have a feeling this is gonna. I think it's be a high listen one. Yeah. Just just because of the topic, I think, like we said, I think yeah. a lot of people are looking or yeah. under looking just for understanding even mm-hmm. so. Just thank you so much for yeah. coming on. Yes. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. A pleasure. Yeah, it's always open. That's Come what back we tell again. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's always open. But um, listeners, we'll, we we know you'll enjoy this. We we know you'll get some nuggets from it. Um, just keep clinging to God's word. Remember, take everything to the word. We are just a supplement. Um, you know, get con- uh, connected in a community. You know, connect with. God through scripture and prayer and your own personal time. And, um, we're just happy to get to be hands and feet of Jesus in this aspect. So, uh, we love you guys. So God bless. And we'll be back next week. See ya.